Mets fans, Mets fans, welcome back to another episode of 40 Minutes to Flushing. I'm your host, Mike Candell. Alongside with me is our buddy, Sean Arnell. Hey, what's up, Mets fans? Welcome back. Well, Mets fans, we have another season, about a couple of days. It's about to start. I can't be more excited, Sean. I'm sure you feel the same way. Really uh, crept up on me, man. Can't believe it's only two days away. Yeah, no, I'm excited. But a uh, lot to talk about. This roster has uh, finalized as of the other day. A lot of things we like, a couple of things we wish we can have differently. We're going to get into that this episode. We're going to find out where we think we're, the Mets are going to finish the season. Yeah, talk about our general thoughts of the roster, break down some of the decisions they made, uh, get into the schedule, talk about who they face and when, and then break down the NL East and where we think they'll uh, they'll finish up. As you saw maybe earlier on a Baseball 360 episode, I made my season predictions. I'm going to go a little bit deeper about the Mets in this show, tell you why I think they're going to finish, where I think they're going to finish. Likewise, can't wait to get into all that, especially with all the competition in the NL East. It's not easy to predict this year. Next up, we're going to break down the roster for the 2023 season. Just recently, David Peterson was rewarded the fifth spot in the rotation. We knew the Mets had a ton of depth going into this season. You saw it right away in spring training with the injury to Jose Quintana that the depth had to be on display. I'm thankful that David Peterson won the fifth spot in the rotation. Sean, I have a feeling you think the same way. Yeah, you know what? Um, at the end of the day, I'm happy they had that depth. And when Quintana went down, I wasn't really too worried about it for that reason. Um, would have been nice to have him for some additional depth. But just knowing we had guys like Peterson and McGill behind him, it's like, all right, whatever, next man up. And honestly, based on whichever one pitched better, I would have been fine uh, between the two of them. And, and even Lucchese being a factor in that. Um but yeah, uh, I, I think Peterson pitched the best, uh, really stood out among the, the three of them. Um, completely fine handing him the ball every fifth day for now. I think he showed last year he could be a dependable, at least back of the rotation starter. I mean, we'll see. They don't have to have a super long leash with him if, if he struggles out of the gate. They've got options in AAA, so I'm not really sweating it too much. Happy uh, that he won the job. I think he was the uh, the clear-cut best choice right now. Uh, don't feel like it's going to hurt them too much. Really, you look at him versus Jose Quintana. I don't think they're losing too much there. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's just another lefty at the end of the rotation. Um, and a young one, too, who can maybe uh, hopefully stay injury-free and eat up some innings for the bullpen. Now, David Peterson picked up a lot of slack last year while there were some injuries with Scherzer and DeGrom. He held his own out there. He pitched really well. He he was the long man alongside Trevor Williams, which that role is going to have to be filled this season now that Peterson is sliding into the fifth spot. Very confident, though, with Peterson's ability to hold down the fort in that spot in rotation for sure. Let's touch up on that bullpen. You know, we're not going to have Edwin Diaz, but we've already, you know, we could talk about that until we're blue in the face. But let's talk about the bridge to our new closer, David Robertson. So we're talking Adam Adovino here <laughs> being thrust into that uh, setup role again for a second straight year. He's going to be called on and get some high leverage outs this season. That's for down shore. I think I liked what Adovino did last year, uh, but I think Mets fans are a little too casual on him being our setup man with Diaz down. He's been up and down throughout his career. He's getting towards the end of his career now. Yeah. He's got that, that, uh, Frisbee slider, which you got to love, uh, especially against righties. 
I worry a little bit about him being the eighth inning guy. Um, I think we maybe struck gold last year. Could have possibly gotten his last good season out of him. You hope he repeats it again this year. But I do worry about that. Robertson, I'm less concerned with, uh, just based on what he did last year with the Phillies. Uh, they obviously rode him to the uh, to the World Series. But uh, can't say I have too much faith in Adam Vino. You know, you hope he can repeat anywhere near what he was last year. But it's asking a lot. Steven Nagosik, John Curtis, um, Drew Smith, guys of that nature. How do you feel about them? Nagosik, I like. Um, you know, I would feel a lot better about a guy like Nagosik if we had other solid options ahead of him. Same thing with Drew Smith. Like, we saw some of his upside last year. He got off to a strong start, and then he really started to falter uh, deeper into the season. You know, if those guys are like your fifth, sixth, uh, reliever, it's like, all right, well, you know, you can afford to kind of uh, mix and match there and kind of see what sticks. Guys are up and down in the bullpen. But I think Diaz going down was a huge black hole in the rotation because it moved everybody else up. And I think it showed that we maybe don't have as much depth there as we thought we did. Edwin Diaz, the presence of Edwin Diaz, he helped you forget the fact that the team didn't have a whole lot of depth in the bullpen last year. He hid that very well from the rest of the Yes, team. he did. But some of these names, man, you're looking at the bullpen here, and it's like John Curtis with two S's. We have Eliezer Hernandez. Um, I think he's probably going to start the season in AAA. It's looking like Tommy Hunter looks like he might be the long man out of the bullpen. Bryce Montes de Oca, Goose Mountain. Again, it's like, you know, he throws hard, but you really don't know what you're getting with these guys. Dennis fucking Santana. I never heard of the guy until I checked uh, Mets.com. And again, I haven't watched... Uh, too much spring training this year, and when I have, it's usually been on in the background. Dennis Santana is the kind of name. Like, remember the first American Pie when um, when Sherman shows up at that house party and Stifler's like, Sherman, the fuck are you doing here? Like, that's that's my reaction to Dennis <laughs> Santana. Like, what the fuck are you doing on this roster? Like, didn't know he was a Met. Never heard of him in my life. Yeah, no. Uh, don't like the bullpen, I'll be honest. You know, you don't really have to worry about your bullpen if the team is scoring enough runs. That DH position, that DH spot in the lineup, there's Vogelbach, and now I'm hearing Tommy Pham's going to be the right-handed DH. I mean, DH is the easiest fucking position to fill. You you just need a bat. They could have easily made a move there in the offseason. Um, somebody better than Vogelbach. My God, like he was fun when he first came up for the story. Yeah, it's a fat guy who, you know, is a fun character in the clubhouse. Good guy. Uh, supposedly hits righties well. Didn't seem like he did it all that much to me last year. Um, people want to point to his OPS. I think it's inflated because he walks a lot. I think... You know, that's where sabermetrics are a little flawed. And I think um, he reminds me a lot of Lucas Duda, which, you know, I, I couldn't stand Lucas Duda. Just a, a big lefty with absolutely no speed at all, uh, basically plugs up the bases. He's a guy who walks way too much for somebody you expect to drive in runs, uh, is way too passive at the plate and ends up missing on pitches he should hit and ultimately be driving to the gaps. He's uh, I don't feel good about him. Um, I didn't like what I saw out of him last year. I didn't like what I saw out of him in the spring. I don't like the idea of a platoon at DH. I think uh, Billy Epler tried to get too smart with that when he made that god-awful trade for Darren Rupp last year. I really wish they had went out and got somebody you can depend on as a DH, even if it's not a superstar, just somebody you could slot in and not feel like he's an automatic out at the end of the lineup. 
And I have trouble with the idea of trying to fill the DH role with a prospect like Vientos anointing him like, here you go. Here's this position, DH. DH is a position you have to have solidified. And it's funny you bring up uh, Mark Vientos. It's a really tough spot to put a prospect in. And again, the Mets set themselves up for failure. Like the the Braves last year, they weren't depending on – on guys like Michael Harris to come up and do what they did. They basically brought them up into a team that was already strong where they could just kind of blend into the lineup. And ultimately they thrived. Um, and you look what the Mets are doing now and they're doing the exact opposite there. And they did it last year. They called up, uh, I mean, Beatty, they're a little bit desperate. I, I didn't mind that call up so much. It was early enough in the season. It was what, like August, you know, fine. You want to try him out. Uh, they just called him up to AAA like a week earlier. You feel like maybe he was a little bit more advanced than some of the other guys. So I'm fine with giving him a chance. Uh, Vientos, they called up way too late. They called him up in the middle of a in the middle of a division um, a division race. It didn't put him in a position to succeed. Put way too much pressure on him, and then not even going to talk about what they did with uh, Alvarez at the end of the season. That was absurd. Getting him into that series against the Braves. Like you can't do that to a 20 year old kid. Uh, and they're not doing any better by them this year. I mean, I, I, I don't blame them for not calling them up to start the season, at least with Beatty and uh, Alvarez. I, I think they could both use more seasoning in triple a. I know a lot of Mets fans don't want to hear that, but they barely played in triple a last year, especially uh, Beatty. They could definitely use the seasoning defensively, let them get the reps. I'm fine with a guy like Navarez and uh, Escobar at least. But, uh, you know, at, at DH, it's almost like he got nothing to lose. It, it's tough to put that pressure on a guy like Vientos. But, you know, the Mets put themselves in a shitty position where, yep, the pressure's on him. Might as well see what you got. I'm okay with the scenario where Brett Beatty is stuck in AAA because Eduardo Escobar is doing his job. I'm yeah. okay with that. I, I'm not going to sign up for Beatty being rushed up because Escobar got hurt. Or you might see Beatty get called up to platoon in left field because Canna's not getting the job done. You have Tommy Pham spelling Canna, Nimmo, and Marte on the days off. That's You don't have a whole lot of power in that outfield. So you could see a scenario where Beatty's called up to play left field, which is not ideal for his development because you want him to take over at third. Yeah, I mean, you're kind of showing how thin this roster is, too, when you talk about the guys that he could look to replace. <laughs> um, like, you know, do we feel good about Canna being the everyday left fielder? Like, he was okay last year, but not when this lineup is as thin as it is. Um, and I don't know if I want to platoon a guy like Beatty. Like, you really want him playing every day if he's going to be in the lineup. Beatty's a, a, a blue-chip prospect, right? Like, you don't want to expose him and and destroy his confidence, uh, you don't want to be in like a Jared Kalenic situation, which, you know, Jerry's out on him still. But um, with a guy like Vianto, it's like, yeah, he's a good prospect. But, you know, we know he's flawed. Other teams know he's flawed. So his value is not what it is with a guy like Beatty. I think you can kind of, again, I don't want to put him in a position where he's going to be set up to fail, but. I think if there's anyone you can maybe take a chance on, see what he's got. If you want to platoon Vientos, I don't hate it. Uh, I think it's better than platooning Tommy Pham. I don't know why you need to protect a guy like Vientos because, you know, Beatty had a cup of coffee in AAA. Vientos had 100 
uh, games played in AAA last year, and, and he hit pretty well. So, I mean, the next logical move is a call-up to the majors. Obviously, defensively, he's not going to cut it. The perfect reason for him to be uh, to get a shot at DH, whether it's a full-time DH, which I wouldn't be opposed to, or even a platoon. Let's not forget, Buck likes to put out a defensive first lineup sometimes, so you will see McNeil shift to left and Guillaume come into second base. So we could have that in the beginning of the season instead of calling up Beatty and you know ruining his development. So you could always have a lineup like that. And you're going to see Tim LeCastro slide in there, probably more of a late-game pinch runner defensive replacement type. That looks that seems like the way Buck is going to play with the team. And of course, you know, with the DH spot, you can always have one of the everyday regulars have a half day off and fill in that DH spot. But you don't really want to play with your lineup like that. You want to have a guy in that lineup because your competitors, not only in your division, but in the same league as you are going to make sure they fill that spot with an actual DH. Be careful that doesn't happen. I, I feel like Buck's going to get creative. We saw that last year. It, it worked because guys stepped up like. You know, Guillaume was really solid. You know what he can do defensively. Uh, don't want him playing too often, though. Um, he's not an everyday player. And uh, they'll probably try to do the same thing this year. I like LeCastro is the uh, the guy who got the last bench spot, at least. You don't expect him to hit a lot, but he's, like you said, late defensive replacement, eighth or ninth inning. Guy who's got some speed, can still use some bases, especially with the new rules. Uh, definitely got some value versus just, like, dead weight in the bench so they made the right call there i guess by designating uh darren ruff uh but you know interesting that they didn't go with another uh dh option on the bench at least three things you feel good about this team i think what jumps out immediately um is the strength of the starting rotation still uh i still really like the one through five even with quintana going down i do like that we have guys like Beatty and alvarez who are like actual blue chip prospects who could come up and contribute. I still, I'm not as optimistic as most Mets fans that they could come up and be a game changer, but still, you know, it's better than relying on, you know, God knows what, or even, you know, a guy like Mauricio or Vientos versus them. I feel like there's a big gap. So you got to feel good about those two being potential everyday players by the end of the season. You hope it works out. Yes, they do have versatility. They've got some guys that could play different positions if they need to. So if they do have an injury, you know, it's not the end of the world, I guess, if, uh, for a week, Guillaume is your everyday second baseman or third baseman or McNeil shifts to the outfield. Uh, Canna can play a number of different positions. You could put him at first base. In a pinch, you could put him at third. He could play right field or even center. Um, two, two of the three reasons why I feel good about this team. Um, one of them, Steve Cohen at the helm. Uncle he, wants to, he wants to win. He's going to do whatever he can to win. He's going to see the problems, maybe even before we do, hopefully before we do, rather. Um, if they need to fill a spot, you know, they need to make a trade. He's going to be in the year of Billy Epler, which I feel he always is anyway. Uh, not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. I feel like he kind of lights a fire under Billy Epler's ass sometimes, or at least needs to do it again. Oh, I'll bet he did <laughs> for the Correa deal, at least. And, um, you know, his will to put not only the best team on the field, but also the best staff he can, you know, off the field. And Buck. Buck is another reason why I feel good. He took a team that went, won 77 games and won 101 last year. You know, they had a lot of magic last season. And I got to just, I feel like Buck had his finger on the pulse the entire time. They didn't get too high. They didn't get too low. 
he was just a true professional. I think the overall presence of his of a professional like him changed the entire clubhouse and and Scherzer's addition too. And I think Verlander's addition will help that as well, which obviously may sound overrated, but I think it helped a lot. Third, I like the combination of Lindor and Alonzo hitting three and four. Like you said, I know Lindor's not an ideal three hitter, but I'll take it. Actually, let me let me change that up. The three, four, and five. I like Lindor, Alonzo, and McNeil. Uh, I trust them. I think they're all all-stars. I think Pete, as I uh, I made that prediction on baseball 360, that he's going to lead the major leagues in home runs. I think he's going to approach 50 again. I think he's that kind of power hitter. Number one and number three or four in RBIs last year, Lindor and Alonzo was a great 3-4 combo. Yeah, they really carried the team. Good point. All right, after breaking down the roster, we finally have to take a look at the opening schedule for the month of April. Well, we do have a pretty long West Coast uh, swing there. Uh, I think this is brought up, but we start the season with eight games indoors, which is really nice. No chance of rainouts. Um and eight straight days of baseball. I think we're all used to that, you know, the the day off after opening day where it just really kills your buzz. Uh that year, this year, that's not a thing. So pumped about that. Uh we do so we play the Marlins again in the home opener um that second week of April. And then we go on that West Coast, or actually no, the Padres come in for three games. And then we go on that West Coast swing you were talking about on the 14th. Started off with three games in Oakland, so you hope they play better than they did in Oakland last year. Uh, three games in L.A., four games in SF, and then they come home to play the the, the lowly Nationals before uh, our first series with the Braves to close out April. So we start with the Miami Marlins, four games. How do you feel? Would you take a split? You would like to take three out of four. What do you think? Uh, yeah, you know, at the start of the season, uh, I would take a split in Miami. I, I think the Marlins are going to be sneaky good this year. They made some solid moves, not a powerful lineup, but definitely some sneaky good contact hitters. Uh, talked about Lu- Luis Arias earlier. I think he was a nice pickup for them. They got a pretty strong rotation there. I think you'd be happy with the split, um, in Miami to start the season. At least I would. Yeah. And then we move on to Milwaukee for three. Uh, I think we should be able to take two out of three against them, unless we end up facing so. uh, unless we end up facing Corbin Burns or Brandon Woodruff. Yeah, and even behind them, they've got what uh, Freddie Peralta, uh, Eric Lauer is pretty solid. So again, another good team with light hitting team with a good rotation. Um, definitely want to try. Yes, it's on the road. You want to try to take two out of three either way, though, against Milwaukee for sure. We play San Diego at home. Yeah, then on the 10th, uh, obviously we got the Marlins series in between the opener, but uh, after that we've got a pretty big series uh, Monday through Wednesday, the 10th through the 12th against uh, the Padres at home. That whole uh, West Coast swing is sandwiched by off days, but that's 10 straight games uh, all on the West Coast. And how many total games we got in the month of to start the season from uh, March 30th on? So yeah, we've got uh, 29 games uh, to start the season through – I guess starting March 30th through the end of April there. Um, So a lot of games in a short amount of time. What type of record would you take in those first 29 games? 18 and 11, Um, 17 and 12. I would uh, sign up for that in a heartbeat. Uh, Dude, I was thinking like 15 and 14. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, I mean, all right. We're, it's a mixed bag. Um, 
there's some cupcake teams in here for sure. Uh, we are playing the A's. Obviously, you know, we're on the road. Um, we're playing the Nationals a few games at home. You know, that's hopefully that's a sweep. But it, I think, you know, the, the Marlins and Brewers can be tough. Uh, Giants, you don't really know what they're going to be this year. The Dodgers, you expect to be tough. The Braves, you expect to be tough. I, I just feel like it's hard to look at this and say like, oh, yeah, no, it, you know, we, we don't really know what the Mets are this year just yet. Um you like to think we're going to have a strong start to the year. If, you know, I had to sign up for 15 to 14 through this schedule today, I'd probably be like, yeah, you know what? I'll take it. Just we're going to face the Padres. We're going to face the Dodgers. We're going to face the Braves. Uh, I'll take that to start the year. Uh, I would. All right. If you're going to hold me to a number here, I'll go 16 and 13. That That's as far as I'm willing to go <laughs> in my optimism scale. I took a peek at the schedule just now. I'll take 16 and 13 in the month of April. I'll yeah. take it. You feel like uh, that's pretty realistic if they're a solid team. Um, you know, they play some good games or some good teams in this stretch. You hope they can pull it out. Uh, you know, three games over 500 to start the first roughly month of the season. Hey, I mean, you're still, you know, right up there, you would think, with uh, the likes of the Braves and the Phillies unless – one of them gets off to a scorching hot start. You can't bank on the Braves getting off to a start like they did last season. I think they're going to play consistent ball all the way through. All right, you want your uh, 16 and 13? Here's what we got in May. You ready? Here, here's why I'm okay with 16 and 13. Let's hear it. You wrap up the series with the Braves on the 1st of May, and then you go on the road. You play the Tigers. You come home, play the Rockies for three games, go back on the road, play the Reds, then the Nationals. Then you come back home, you play the the Rays and the Guardians. Go on the road again, you play the Cubs and the Rockies. So that's, uh, May's looking a lot easier than April is. (laughs) They're going to fatten up in May. Oh, they better fatten up in May. Let's give our predictions on this team, the New York Mets. I want to hear it, Sean. Where do they finish? What's their record? What's their fate? You look at the 101 games they won last year. Did they get better? I mean, I think they replaced DeGrom uh, pretty well. Lost Diaz. Offense is the same. We saw who they were by the end of the season. You know, the the wild cards there are going to be, at this point, unless they go out and make a move, it's going to be Beatty and uh, Alvarez, maybe Vientos. Um, Definitely don't think they're going to win 101 games again. Right now, I'd say 91 games. I'll I'll say 91. 91 and a wild card spot? 91 and a wild card spot. Yeah, I I think we're sharing a brain on this one. I think they're going to hover anywhere from 90 to about 93 wins. Um, I think they're going to – I think the Braves are – only getting better. I think the Braves could even run away with the East. Not run away, run away, but you know, win by a little more than five games. I think they're an incredible yeah. ball club. Um, the Mets didn't do the do anything to get better offensively speaking, because they did lose a lot of uh players in the offseason. So they almost had to revamp the team just to stay even keel. But no, that they have a good team, but 
I think, you know, second wild card spot because I have the Dodgers in that first wild card spot as well as the Phillies in the third wild card spot. I got three teams coming out of the NLEs making the playoffs. Yeah, I that's probably where I'd go with that. Um, I, I just think the Braves are really sound. It's hard to see the Mets overtaking them this year unless, you know, for all we know, uh, Beatty and uh, Alvarez can come up and be studs and all of a sudden this offense looks great. That's a lot to ask of them, though. Um, so before the Mets homers start talking about prospects, got to understand these guys are question marks until they go out there and do it every day. So based on what we know right now, got to say the Braves are probably the stronger team, especially after the Diaz injury. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'll say 91. I'm right there with the 90 to 93 games. Uh, at this point, I think I'd be ecstatic if they won 93 games, you know, barring them going out and making a big move for all we know, uncle Stevie could, press the nuke button and go out and get Shohei Otani halfway through the season. Um, you don't know what's going to happen or even a, a Brian Reynolds who we both like um, or somebody we're not even thinking of at the moment who could become a trade candidate. But, you know, as of right now with the information we got, I feel like that's a pretty safe bet. Um, I, I think you brought a buck being the wild card. I think that's a really good point. I think he really does make a huge difference out there. He's a, he keeps the team motivated throughout the entire course of the season. I think, um, you know, if there's anybody that's going to keep them from really faltering and keep them on course, I think it's him. Uh, I just don't know if they have the talent to overcome the Braves. Well said, well said. Well, look, we hope our predictions are wrong. We hope we have to go to a ticker tape parade in the, the beginning of November. Um, we got 162 games left. Any Anything could happen. Any closing statements before uh, we head off the opening day, Sean? I think, all right. I, I've been pretty down this entire episode, I'm realizing. Uh, so reasons for optimism. Number one, Uncle Stevie. Um, we'll go out and do whatever it takes to win. We know that. We know they have money to spend. They <laughs> basically were, you know, the, the, the check was written for, for Carlos Correa. Uh, they could go out and get that big name at any point, like, Again, we don't know who's going to be available. You figure if the Angels are out of it, Shohei's going to be the big name on the block. Um, pending free agent, you know, we do have some prospects we could give up for him. Uh, you probably have to give up a Beatty or Alvarez, but, you know, with half a season, some teams get desperate to get whatever they can for a guy. Maybe we could swing him for like a Vientos, uh, a Mauricio, and some other prospects. And I, I'd take that in a heartbeat if we're in it especially if you can uh if it increases the likelihood of signing Shohei long term you know maybe we uh we figure out a way to retain him easier by bringing him in halfway through the year but yeah no um reason for optimism i would say the the Steve Cohen factor always willing to go out and do what it takes to win we're still in it i don't think it's going to be a big letdown like it was the last uh trade deadline for sure that that was a major letdown. We didn't go out and make the team better like we should have. Uh, this year, I think they'll take that into account, and I think they'll do something big if we're in it. Going to head out to City Field this year? Yeah, a ton. Oh, yeah, I can't wait to join you out there. Hey, you um, know, it's only uh, 40 minutes to flushing from here. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I like that. Hey, that's why we named it that. Well, Sean, I uh, – can't wait to see you on opening day. I'll uh, have to have a chat with you. Maybe we'll even record after the first game of the season. Who knows? I just want to say you could uh, find us on YouTube 
Rumble. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple. We're going to be covering the Mets all season long. We're going to try to pump out as many episodes as we can for you. Stay positive, Mets fans. It's going to be a hell of a year. Yep. Rate, review, and subscribe. We need it.